Sorry, you want to charge me how much to replace the battery in my electric car? We had a lot of discussion today on electric vehicles after a wild headline popped up at globalnews.ca. I had no idea how much these things cost. Breakfast with the Bombers today highlights from the final coaches show of the season with Mike O'Shea and Derek Taylor. Zebra mussels have officially arrived in Clear Lake. We head to Riding Mountain National Park to find out what's next. And have you ever had a stupid injury? Because Loren and I are both dealing with rather silly ailments right now. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's back on Wednesday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, November 21st podcast for The Start. McGarry McNabb. Mackling is off today, getting some much-needed rest after a whirlwind extravaganza of several days in Hamilton for the Grey Cup. And we'll have a recap of last night's final coaches show with Mike O'Shea coming up at 7.35 for uh, breakfast with the Bombers today, uh, Loren. But uh, I want to start with an important question for you. At what time today do I get to hear the cannons? Oh, the cannons to the left of you, cannons to the right of you, Brett. Uh, Around one-ish. Okay, perfect. Um, Yes, just when you're probably going down for your nap, you are going to be awakened, awoken, awakening by a cannon. (laughs) I'm getting my tenses all wrong because, of course, this is throne speech day. And I feel like every year I like to give that public service warning to you because you will hear them and you briefly forget what the heck is going on? Because it's, it's so loud, right? And yeah. you're so close to the legislature that you can probably see the smoke rise from your balcony, I'm guessing. I can't the smoke s- from the cannons. No? No, I can't see it, but only because I face west. But boy, can I hear it. Uh, okay. Because any anything that comes from the legislative grounds, just based on the way that, that uh, my neighboring building uh, faces me, everything sort of bounces off of that and into... My suite, like, you know, I, I, I lamented the, when the Freedom Convoy was present, I could hear it, everything. Anytime there's a protest at the ledge, if it's, depending where it is, if it's on, say, the, the west side of the grounds, I can almost hear it, like, word for word, like, whatever is being said on a loudspeaker. And when those cannons go off, it sounds like a bomb is being dropped on my balcony. Yeah, and so it's worth warning people, right? Because it's just all part of it. It's not, they're not real cannons being fired. It's a ceremonial uh, gesture, part of the pomp and circumstance of throne speech day for the province. This is interesting because it's the first throne speech for this NDP government, but I don't think we're going to expect any huge surprises in it. So the cannons just might be the most exciting part of the entire day for the throne speech because <laughs> what they do is they just lay out kind of what they plan to do in the next year. And we know some of that already. I mean, he just had his election and he campaigned on, you know, the opening of three ERs. So we might get some more news on on that. There might be some hints of, of what we might see there. We, we, he talked about some tax measures. He talked about freezing electricity, you know, and, and hydro rates. He talked about gas tax measures. So we kind of might 
know what's coming. So the the cannons make it, you know, a little bit more lively if you throw those in the mix. And then later today, there will be no cannons on Parliament Hill, but they're also going to introduce their federal fiscal update. And polls are really bad for the federal liberals. And so they're going to talk about what is or isn't in the coffers, but also a whole new whack of housing measures and dollars for housing. So there's going to be a lot of government promises made by both levels today. But let's focus on the cannons, shall we? <laughs> we'll have more on the throne speech at 7.05. Uh, and yeah, I just, uh, the first time, because I moved into that apartment block in yes. uh, 2019. So I'm on yes. the west side of Osborne and the ledge, of course, is on the east side. And the first time it happened, I, I didn't know what was going sure. on. Like, what? Why would you? <laughs> but now I, I, now I look forward to it. It just, it, I can't believe how thunderous it is. So it's kind of a neat, and even you can even hear it here uh-huh. At Portage in Maine, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was the throne speech, and I was just at work. I don't know, but there there was one point where they were blasting the cannons, and you can even hear it from here a little bit. So uh, to know what it is, it's cool. If you don't know what it is, I could I would imagine it's a little like what is happening in Winnipeg right now. They should almost use that alert system to, as an FYI. You know, like to your phones, FYI, around this time you're going to hear this. Don't panic. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea. No, there's going to. I am sure every time there's a throne speech of those i don't know if they're used in any other circumstance i'm trying to think but you know because people will hear them and you will have that pause where you think "Uh oh what's going on right you you get worried yeah so that's uh well more on that at 705 also so the while the cannons might be a surprise for you hopefully in a fun way because i think it's fun but uh this certainly not a fun surprise when i saw that you had sent out a note about this i thought no not clear lake well, for about a year now, a little bit less than that, Clear Lake, Riding Mountain National Park has been testing for the presence of zebra mussels, as so many people, so many lakes are watching for them right across the, the country, really. And they found like DNA of zebra mussels last year, but they didn't, they said that doesn't mean we necessarily have zebra mussels. That could have just been, you know, microscopic elements brought in by a boat. So we're going to be super vigilant. They introduced all these rules for boaters this year to prevent them from going in any other body of water. So if you had a boat that you wanted to use at Clear Lake, you could only use it in Clear Lake this summer because they didn't want you traipsing around different lakes and bringing different things in. That measure clearly, you know, didn't make a difference because we now officially have zebra mussels in Clear Lake. Or maybe it slowed things down. Who's to say? But we'll get into that conversation after eight because it's a beautiful lake, beautiful part of the province. It's our only national park. And now, like Lake Winnipeg, like the Red River, like other, like a few handfuls of other lakes in this province, it now has zebra mussels. All right, so we'll have more on that coming up at 8.05 this morning. And then at 6.45, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets to see Frozen in concert this weekend. Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra showing the movie Frozen. They're going to perform the Oscar-nominated score live for your enjoyment. And it has to do with something you probably didn't enjoy experiencing and that has to do with stupid injuries because uh it doesn't hurt and i'm thankful for that but uh, i'm not certain if i have broken my toe or not but i dropped my phone on it on friday (laughs) and then on saturday (laughs) i looked down like what is happening with my toe i guess there was that kind of a delayed reaction and because i didn't couldn't tell on friday but saturday it didn't hurt it just felt like i couldn't feel it and it looks Mm -hmm awful but uh yeah stupid injuries clumsy well, the breath pro- the problem with the broken toe and i'll explain my injury 
at 650 as well is that it doesn't matter. They can tell you that part of your body is broken and there's nothing they can do about it. Great. That's so just, just great. They'll, they'll just confirm. Yeah, it's broken. Carry on, my wayward son. Enjoy, your, on. enjoy your future arthritis. <laughs> exactly. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today, recovering from his time in Hamilton after the Great Cup. And our question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Should the Great Cup be held on Saturday instead of Sunday? At cjob.com, 55% said yes. Another 31% said no, and 14% said I'm on the fence. And the current question at cjob.com, should uh, the Bombers make any big moves over the offseason? And so far, uh, 55% say no, 45% say yes. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. And on Twitter, on the Grey Cup question, I put it on Twitter, as or X, whatever, uh, 65% said yes, 35% said no. I just kept it a simple yes or no there, so... Move it to Saturday. I like it. <laughs> the I, science says, the science is pointing to Saturday, people. This very scientific poll <laughs> on social media says it should be on Saturday instead of Sunday. I come at it from a very selfish perspective. I want to go out to watch the game, not go straight to bed when it's done. I yeah. don't want to work the Monday. Like the, you know, I, I, the, I guess our problem is we've had four years of really being into the game more so than other years. Yeah. You know? And so it just happens to be the time we've been doing this job. Yes. The, <laughs> yes. So we selfishly are exhausted. Like I, <laughs> fix it for the two of us, please. Yeah, I was responsible this year. Last year I went out because it was also happened to be a friend's birthday. Mm. And uh, I was, it was a bad decision. <laughs> so I stayed home this year. Uh, in the meantime, you can cast your vote on our question of the day at cjob.com. Once again, for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. They were talking a little bit about this on The Shift, our overnight show on 680 CJOB and across course radio stations through the country. And this involves a Stony Creek, Ontario man who called Global News after his all-electric vehicle stopped working so he's now going to get money from the manufacturer toward a new one. And we wanted to share this with everyone this morning because, of course, there's been so much talk about electric cars over the years and the shift towards electric vehicles. But sometimes, you know, purchases come with warnings. And this Stony Creek, Ontario man, Simrat Suj, he was told by his Hyundai dealer it would cost more than $50,000 to install a new battery on his 2017 Ionic, a repair he said made no economic sense. I guess so. Global Sean O'Shea explains. The benefits of driving an electric vehicle are pretty well known. No more trips to the gas station. But consider what could happen if there's a problem with the major component in that vehicle. That's what happened to the driver in our story. I felt like I got kicked in the private. Simrat Such is still feeling the pain over what recently happened with his electric vehicle. I was an electric fan and I want to get another electric vehicle, but from Hyundai, this has really put a bad taste in my mouth towards them. Hyundai's 2017 Ionic was launched in New York with great fanfare in 2016. The Ionic Electric. A hybrid version and a fully electric model bought by Such. He was the second owner, but the car still had lots of warranty left on the electrical system and battery at the time. And since Such had previously owned a different electric vehicle, he was a believer. I didn't have any issues with my first vehicle, so thought it would be the right avenue to try a second vehicle. He had no issues with the car until this happened. I had an EV light come on. I had taken it to the shop. 
they couldn't find anything wrong. But there was indeed a problem. Two weeks after that, the vehicle stopped charging. The dealership in Hamilton said he needed the battery replaced. The quote stunned him. I was provided a quote at $50,000. Between the battery installation and taxes, it totaled just over $50,000. I was just floored. Especially because his 160,000 kilometer electric vehicle warranty had just run out. The dealer in Hyundai told Such there was nothing they could do. I still had to pay $500 for them to tell me the car's no good. Stories like this one are the kind to scare off buyers concerned about the high cost of electric vehicle repairs. When confronted with the choice to fix or dispose of his powerless Hyundai Ionic, he chose the latter. I ended up scrapping the vehicle and collecting around $1,000. But when Global News asked Hyundai Canada to investigate, we were told there'd been a communications breakdown at the head office level. The case should have been escalated immediately for additional review. They told us we extend our sincere apologies to Mr. Such for these lapses, adding it wanted to resolve this situation by paying fair market value for his vehicle, either in cash or towards a new Hyundai, as part of our commitment to our customers. Hyundai's decision could put twenty-five dollars or $30,000 in Sucha's pocket toward a new vehicle, replacing a car he scrapped. So Sucha will be able to get into a new vehicle, which is good news, that because Hyundai stepped up after we got involved. But if you're considering an electric vehicle, this is something to take quite seriously. The idea that a component like the battery could fail and it could cost you tens of thousands of dollars when you probably can't expect it. I can't figure this out. I'm looking online right now, Brett. Like, I don't even know how they got to this $50,000 figure because a new, a 2024 Ionic 5 ranges between fifty-five dollars and $62,000 in Canada. A brand new one. And then they came back with this replacement cost of the battery being $50,000. It doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. Like, that's why the math didn't make sense for this owner, why he chose to initially scrap the, you know, the whole thing because it just didn't, it didn't add up. But this is, the, as Sean pointed out, this is the kind of thing that you're going to have to consider when you go to make these purchases. You know, the same way when you buy any car. Like if the engine goes, how much of that engine represents the cost of that car? Well, now with the electric vehicles and the batteries, if the if the battery represents 95% of the cost and it goes, I, I that's where I'd start to get worried about that kind of purchase. Yeah, like I'm just looking at, uh, I, I just Googled Hyundai Ionic battery replacement and mm-hmm. I found like a, an Ionic forum where somebody in 2022 uh, in Vancouver pointing to a similar thing with their mm. Kia uh, electric vehicle where they said it was the battery, they recorded $47,000 wow. and the labor to install another 3500 But if you just Google electric car battery replacement, the, the common thing that I seem to see is $5,000 to $20,000. And I guess that just depends on the model of car that you've got. Either way, $5,000 on the low end seems nuts to me. I know that with an electric vehicle, you're going to save money and all that gas. I have no idea what goes into the maintenance of an electric vehicle. But, you know, if, if you're not having to do things like oil changes and all that, like the, 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 the amount of money that we spend on our on maintaining our cars over the years is pro- I, I bet you I've spent ten to $15,000 just maintaining my car. So I guess in that sense, 5000 Ain't all that bad, but if you get if I get slapped with you know if I get caught off guard by a battery that's suddenly dead, five thousand dollars at in one shot is uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. I'm looking through different texts from listeners who sort of work in the automotive industry, and one is a screenshot of a voltage battery for a, a Ford 
is this an F-150? It ranges $50,000. And then someone else is saying that they uh, deal with uh, forklifts and the electric battery for the forklift alone is $28,000 before you get to the repair. So it's just the kind of question you have to ask going in. A, what's the warranty? <laughs> what does it cover? How long does a battery traditionally last? And then if it goes, what is the cost of replacing that battery? Because that would sure be like, that's beyond sticker shock. Yeah, and in, since this is where all the the whole industry is moving, uh, <laughs> kind of scares me for what's to come. But feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868, and you can read more on this at cjob.com and globalnews.ca. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. Right now we want to talk about stupid injuries. You know, those dumb injuries that we inflict upon ourselves through our own clumliness or stupidity. On Friday, I dropped my phone and I've got, I got like the biggest Samsung phone I could get at the time. I got like the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra thing weighs a ton. And I dropped it on my toe, my uh, second toe on my right foot. And um, I think I may have broke it. I'm not sure. It looks nasty, but somehow it doesn't hurt and uh, like it hasn't affected my ability to walk or anything. But uh, I'm sort of concerned about long-term repercussions or ramifications. So that's my dumb injury of the week. And Loren, I understand you're not, you're banged up a little bit too. Yeah, we were away last week. Uh, we were had uh, a family vacation. We're at pool with a water slide, several water slides, and not like major, you know, Wisconsin Dells type situation, but some decent water slides. And my youngest said, come with me, mom. And I said, no problem. You got it. And I went down one, one slide and emerged with, if, if my tailbone's not broken, it's severely bruised and I can barely sit right now. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been able to sit properly for about 10 days and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you can take some medication and you can freeze it or ice it or warm it up or whatever. I don't know, put some heat to it, but it's an injury like a toe that you just got to wait it out. And it's so such a dumb thing because I've been on a, dozens of slides before. I don't even know what I did. I just came down hard on my tailbone, came out of the water and said, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. So uh. here I am sitting on, I almost need to get one of those like old lady cushions. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, what are they called? Like a balloon? Well, like if you have hemorrhoids? An inflatable think, donut? Yeah, like a donut. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I put old lady in that. Just, I just, <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. So my, my, sorry to disrespect anyone out there, but I need something to sit on. So here I am. Did you bang it like when you, when you, when you hurled yourself down the slide, like at the top I, of the slide? No, I think what happened is I had a little bit of lift near the end, you know, like you go down and then I came down again and then I, or it, or I hit the water so hard. Like I hit the water so hard that I was one of those like, Large people scooting, like hydroplaning across the water. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I hurt myself. Here I It's embarrassing. Here I am. It's not even a good story. Uh, that reminds me of when I hydroplaned across the pool in at Edmonton, and it was actually really scary because I, I, I essentially reached the edge of the pool, which uh, happened to be blocked by a child. So I, 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 I drop kicked a child in a pool, and I couldn't do <laughs> anything keep about your head it. Up. Gotta keep your head up. <laughs> I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't stop. Uh, Tyson, in for Cam, what's yours? Well, I have three older brothers, so there's no shortage of stupid injuries in our family, but... <laughs> The one that for me was self-inflicted. And when I was younger, like four or five, I really loved toffee. And I would I would always just try and steal little bowls of toffee, 
but it, would, it hurt my teeth. So I had a really good idea, and I was like, I'm gonna put this in the microwave, <laughs> and then oh, it's, hot and, sugar, and then it's gonna be, it's gonna be like a sugar soup, and so I, so I got it. So I got it nice and hot, got it nice and hot in the microwave, and I was all excited. And I just dipped my hands right into the boiling hot oh toffee and just scalded my hands and started freaking out. My mom was like, "What happened? What happened?" And was like, "Well, I thought the toffee would be would be nice and warm, but that was way too warm, way too warm." <laughs> way too warm. <laughs> did you actually burn your like? Did oh, it require yeah. medical attention? No, it wasn't like that bad to where I needed to go to the hospital, but. I needed bandages. I walked around with some bandages on my hands for like a couple days, but oh jeez, <laughs> sugar soup. That's great. I do like to throw ice cream in the microwave for a few seconds uh, if it's too hard. If it's been in the freezer for a couple like, too long, uh, Sarah. What about you? Well, I was like saying earlier, which stupid injury am I going to go with? And all of them, <laughs> all of them has, have sent me to the hospital. Uh, one, two broken fingers, and then two others. Stitches. So I'm going with one of the stitch ones. But um, I was getting ready for a birthday party. It was probably like five or six years old. Not too old. And uh, I had like some tights on because I was wearing a dress. I was so excited. It was my best friend's party. And um, the floor was just slippery for whatever reason. And my mom had this nice hand-painted like door stop that like kept the door open. And uh, it was in the shape of a duck. And uh, I fell anyways. And my hand, right between my thumb and my pointer finger, landed in the crevice of this duck, <laughs> wooden duck um, door stopper, and it split it open, gushing oh, no. everywhere. Oh, so, yeah, no. I did not get to go to the birthday party. <laughs> I showed up late, I believe. But, uh, yeah, so that was a more serious injury. Self-inflicted, though. Too excited. Tights. Slippery floor. Doesn't mix. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear about these other injuries too? You've got a checklist. Yes. Two, mm. two stitches. Two. What was the other one? Two broken fingers. Broken fingers. All right, Forte. What you got? Uh, last year, I was uh, dog sitting for my parents for a week as they went to Montreal, and so I'm at their place. And I think it was the second night, and I was making chicken wings. I had air fried chicken wings, and air fryer stops, and they're, they're ready to go. So I was like, chicken wing! And so I'm running. I'm running into the kitchen. I'm just so happy. And then I clip a chair with my two toes, the, like the ring toe and the pinky toe, and it hurts so badly. But I was so excited for my chicken wings, so I just I grab my chicken wings. I, I'm eating them. I have ice on my foot. And my foot is up. I'm enjoying it. The next day I wake up, and my foot, half it is completely black. Oh no! And my two to toes are just completely swollen and so for the whole week like i i, I bet it was broken for the whole week i had to walk the dog every single day so i had to wear my dad's boot like i'd wear a bigger boot uh just so i can walk the dog and i was just in so much pain and just it's so stupid damn you chicken wings <laughs> <laughs> so at 204-780-6868 what is your stupid injury because we all do it we all hurt ourselves and you think like this this was so avoidable why did I, why did this happen? It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We're going to talk throne speeches and cannons in a moment. But before that, a reminder that we're asking you, if you're just tuning in, we're asking you this morning about the dumb injuries 
that you have inflicted upon yourself. What does Uliana have to say? Yeah, so I used to be skinny and flexible enough to sit in a way that when painting my toenails, my foot would be facing me. I had myself propped up, was doing some trimming maintenance when suddenly a part of my toenail flew right into my eye. I most definitely cut it because my eye was irritated, vision was blurry. I had to call in sick for my shift the next day just so I could see an ophthalmologist. He dilated my pupils, took a look. He had to confirm, what kind of nail? Are you sure it wasn't a wood nail? (laughs) No, no, just a stupid toenail. (laughs) Juliana says, I had to wear an eye patch for the next few days. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, you know what? It might not be. There there are times where I wonder, should I be wearing safety goggles? Because especially with the big toes, when they they get cut, sometimes they go flying, they bounce around, and you're like, I I don't even know where it went. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And it's all the story behind the injury, right? Like, you can't even, there's just nothing. You're like, I just cut my eye with a toenail. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I, I was rescuing a friend and I got stabbed yes, in the eye. Exactly. You need to just change the story. I should change that. I stopped a shoplifter and he took me down and hurt my tailbone <laughs> as opposed to a water slide injury or something, you know. Keep those coming for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra this weekend. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. They made a whole whack of promises in the lead-up to their provincial election win last month. Later today, we'll hear more on how the NDP plan to turn some of those promises into action. Yeah, so as we've been telling you this morning, of course, Premier Wab Canoe has already said he'll cut the provincial fuel tax in a couple of months. He's going to recognize Métis leader Louis Riel as the honorary first premier of Manitoba. But what else might be on the list for this first session as government? Today is throne speech day when the government sets the agenda for the weeks ahead. And so bringing on now Malcolm Bird, political sciences associate professor at the University of Winnipeg. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. So what are your expectations? What might be here in that speech today? Well, I'm expecting we're going to get uh, some more confirmation as to what exactly the government's priorities are. And I'm expecting to sort of see a blend of sort of aspirational policies, but also practical policies um, that are doable. And so I think one thing to pay attention to in this throne speech is that this government really, um, as all governments, when they start out, they really need to focus um, on their proactive policies and what they're trying to trying to accomplish. And and so it's very important that they get going on these right away. And I would I would imagine that some of the the key areas would be obviously health care. They talked a lot about this in uh, the election. So I'm expecting to see some announcements regarding hiring more health care workers and opening up more facilities. Um, I imagine some more emphasis on cost of living issues. You mentioned the, the cut to the fuel tax. There's also the hydro rebate and also probably some uh, issues to manage the high elevated cost of living. And I'm also expecting to see some uh, issues regarding reconciliation, uh, as this has been shown, uh, as the government has illustrated that this is also one of their key priorities. So those are some of the things that I'm expecting. I'm also expecting them to reach out to potentially to civil servants and to... And to tr- well, and sometimes there's a grace period for new governments, you know, where taxpayers will hold off, maybe hold off complaining with a wait-and-see approach, you know, if this government can make a difference kind of approach. But given those affordability issues, health care concerns, etc., how patient do you think Manitobans will be? Uh, not, not, not very. I think, I think Manitobans uh, are, are, like all Canadians, are really facing uh, some serious uh, threats to their, to their standard of living, particularly with, uh, with um, 
you know, the uh, higher costs and, and, and not seeing their wages rise. But yeah, there, there really is a window here and governments only have, you know, sort of uh, a year, 18 months uh, where I think people are, are, are kind of flexible. Um, and this window is where they need to really aim at getting some concrete actions, conc- concrete things accomplished so that in, you know, two, two and a half years, as we're ramping up to the next election, they can point to things and say, look, we said we were going to fix health care. Now, it might not be fixed, but they definitely need to show tangible movements, you know, whether that's hiring people or opening up new facilities or, or, or reduced waiting, wait times or something. Um, and so they need to, if they can't resolve the problem itself, they at least need to show that they're, that they're, they're working as hard as possible to fix health care or reduce uh, costs, etc. And then after, the, the, the problem is, is this window will close. And the reason it'll close is that governing is really hard. And there's just an amazing amount of problems and situations that governments need to resolve. And, and as they're in government longer, uh, those, those kind of uh, recurring issues uh, just become more prominent. So this, this really is uh, the beginning part of the mandate really is a, is a unique time where governments have a little bit of breathing room, like to, to act, to act in a proactive manner. And then you know, within sort of, you know, 18 months or so, they, they really get almost overwhelmed with, with just, just day-to-day governing and, and managing all the really significant problems that governments have to solve. Malcolm, we have just 30 seconds here, but I'm going to ask this question on behalf of, of Brett because every year we always like to give the warning that ahead of the session opening, before the lieutenant governor reads the speech from the throne on behalf of the government, there's the ceremonial firing of the cannons. Any idea why? I know that harkens back to, you know, uh, days long, long ago, but why keep some of those traditions? That's just part of the pomp and circumstance of, of the day. I, I think so. I mean, I think there is some pomp, some circumstance. What is interesting about this this government is that they've they've made some uh, interesting changes uh, to, to to how these uh, ceremonies and such uh, go forward, which I think is sort of uh, you know perfectly reasonable given given how our province is changing. Um, so. Uh, um, so I expect there will be some pomp in some circumstance, but I also expect that there'll be some unique additions uh, to these uh, to these events. I mean, overall, our system of government works really well. Uh, this government uh, has been elected by the people, and I think all of us really wish this government uh, the best um, in the future. And, uh, and I think this is uh, the 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 uh, throne speech is is really a, a pivotal moment uh, for all new governments. And I think we all, like I said, I think we all really wish this government well in in resolving the many challenges that we face in this province. Malcolm Bird is a political sciences associate professor at the University of Winnipeg. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is (laughs) off today. And when Mackling's off, it has to happen at least once. The The day is not complete. I would have been sad. Well, I hear that music and I'm like, someone better start talking. And then that, out loud, I thought my mic was off. I'm like, that's me. It's my turn. Sorry, everyone. I'll get by, by nine o'clock. No problems will happen in the weather. <laughs> We're asking you about dumb injuries, <sighs> the silly injuries that we inflict upon ourselves, like Kristen at 204-780-6868. He says, what timing? Just yesterday, 
I crushed my hand, sliding a stupidly heavy door shut. Now it is swollen and painful if I move certain fingers. And I'm also going into work early um, to help with some rather heavy transport. So wish me luck for that, says Kristen. So, yeah, the, the, the fingers in the doors, the hand in the doors. We, when we, when the radio station used to be on Portage Avenue, just west of Arlington. The doors into the control room and into the studios um, were pretty big. They, they were mm. like two inches thick at least, just like big metal doors that were like fully soundproof, and they were great. And they had this big industrial handle on them that you had to really hammer on to get the, get the doors open. And I made the mistake once of allowing it to close on my fingers, and um, not good. Not good. Didn't no break or anything. I was able to just, it just sort of got like the edge of my fingers. Mm. It could have been much worse, but it still was, it hurt like hell. Sometimes that's worse. You know, some of these injuries, like if you've sprained your fingers versus breaking, you know, you, you can't really do much for them. Right. And you can't, you can't wrap them. There's no cast. There's just nothing. And you just got to let it heal. And then they heal usually quite wonkily. I have a thing, wonkily. I have a finger injury that just, I feel like for the rest of my life will bug me. Really? And it was a tiny little thing, but I can, fe- I can feel it right now. Just sort of, I must have touched a nerve or something. Oh, shoot. Well, your dumb injuries for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It's Breakfast with the Bombers. That's what's up. It's brought to you by Cooperators, investing in your future together. Now, last night on CJOB was the final coaches show with Mike O'Shea and the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. And by the way, it's pretty much the only call-in show across the country where the coach of the, C- the CFL team will sit down and take your phone calls. Mm. And last night, of course, not even 24 hours removed from losing the Grey Cup game to Montreal. Here was the coach taking your phone calls. And one of the questions that Derek asked had to do with the mood in the locker room after the game. And, you know, he cited guys like running back Brady Oliveira. We played some of his audio yesterday who really felt like he had let everyone down. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of love in that room. Um, he, he's, he's not alone. I'm sure a lot of guys, uh, it's natural after you lose the, the big one, you know, or when you don't finish the season with a, you know, ultimately winning the championship, there's always, um, you know, in those final games, especially there's, uh, always a lot of feeling individually about, you know, thoughts about what you could have done better and, you know, you look around the room and you are obviously, you will always feel some sort of regret um, unless you unless you win it all and then you quickly forget those things. Um, but uh, like I said, there's a, there's a, there is a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of love in that room and the, the players will lean on each other and they'll, you know, figure out a way to try and get over this. Now, meanwhile, in the third quarter, you might remember the Bombers were within 10 yards. Zach Kolaris threw that interception, and many have questioned that play, wondering, like, why not just run the ball? You've got this Mack truck named Brady Oliveira. Well, here's what the coach had to, sh- had to say about the play call from offensive coordinator Buck Pierce. I do believe that uh, Buck all year has done a phenomenal job calling the games, 
Um, and one of the things we talked about was not being predictable either, you know, and, and making sure. And, and uh, yeah, I would never second guess that. It's, you know, I think it was a great play by the Montreal DB, uh, you know, and they had made some great plays, uh, you know, coming up to our game, leading into our game. But uh, I'll never second guess that uh, that play call. I think it's, you know, it was right there. <laughs> it was right there, and then it wasn't. That's all. That's the way I see it. And the coach is right, Loren. I mean, that interception from Montreal's KB and Ento was just spectacular. When that ball went up, I thought, here we go, touchdown, baby. And then Ento flies in like Superman yes. or like he's got flubber on the bottom of his shoes. I mean, just what a roller coaster that few seconds was. And what a roller coaster the last few years has been, really. I mean, we've we've known the thrill of victory. And, of course, now we've known the crushing agony of defeat. And one of the callers on the show last night, and I thought this was great that you pulled this, Brett, because uh, it his name's Paul, and he offered some, uh, well, here's his perspective. Hi, I just wanted to talk about the two types of disappointment. The fan disappointment is like this. Ah, rats, uh, we lost by four points. You know, I think I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And then there's the team point of view. And anyone who's played team sports uh, knows that hurt when you come so close, especially when you go through training camp and uh, you make the team and you go through uh, training every day in the, in the hot sun and the rain and in the snow. You learn the playbook. You, you don't have any time to yourself. You're in the weight room. You're flying across the country to different games. Your family, or in many cases, is at home. They don't even see you play. You're away from your, your, your wife and kids, perhaps, or maybe just your parents, your friends. Uh, You've got to take all that into account. This, this really, really hurts to a member of the team. And I, I think we have to acknowledge that, and, and not just the players, but the, the coaching staff as well. So, um, you know, I, 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 I want to say to you that I, I understand that hurt, but I also want to say that the Grey Cup is only the second most important game of the year. It's the Banjo Bowl. And we <laughs> kick butt. Yes. <laughs> you got to love the... Enth- Just as an aside, the enthusiasm uh, that has become the Banjo Bowl in the last couple of decades is pretty cool because it started on a lark, basically, as sure. a joke. And now it's become this like bona fide two-week event with the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl. And if you've never been to a Banjo Bowl, that's, oh. that's the game to go to. Yeah, no, it's so much fun and what they've done. I think I think the collective hurt that people feel after a loss like this is not just because you had the expectation of a win and, and could have, would have, should have. It's just that it's such a community feeling around this team, right? And so that's part of it. But you can still get that at a great game like the Banjo Bowl. We don't always win those. We did this year. So I, I like that perspective for sure. And it's also just the this you know, in in this year in particular uh the, the the prospect of the thousands waiting at the airport or the prospect of a parade and a social mm-hmm. or whatever other events it would have been like a week of joy and celebration you know and and because we couldn't do that stuff in 2021 we got we did it in 2019 and it was amazing and we all remember Chris Trevler in his fur coat 
at the rally and the you know chugging beers during the parade. Uh, so I was looking like the uh, the notion that we were almost there. We were 13 or 11 seconds away. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's why I grumble, grumble. This was the final comment of the final coaches show of the season from head coach Michael Shea. Yeah, it's probably the same message every single year, win or lose. And it's the support that the players uh, and the, the the team feels from the community and from the fans uh, on, on game day, but, but from the community on a daily basis when everybody's out and about and they... Uh, and they they run into people uh, the 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 love and support from the from the fans <laughs> is um it's very powerful for our guys and uh you know people talk about keeping teams together and and they come back for their dressing room and they do uh but it's also a, a credit to our to our community that that the players uh, feel so welcomed here and feel so appreciated. And that's a, a reason why they come back too. So thank you very much. Thanks for all the support. Sorry we couldn't uh, finish it off for everybody. Um, I know it, it hurts you guys too. Well, we thank you, Coach O'Shea, and thanks to the entire Winnipeg Blue Bombers organization for another awesome year. Can't wait for next season. If you want to listen to the full Coaches show, you can find it in the audio vault at cjob.com or as part of the Blue Bomber podcast on CJOB. It is minus three outside 680 CJOB. Oh, make that minus four now at the forks. Let's check the airport. Minus six, the windshield minus 12. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. Coming up a little bit later on, we've been talking about consumer price index inflation, and we'll speak with the Credit Counseling Society at 935 with the cost of gas and groceries continuing to be a problem. How are you doing? What can you do about it? Especially as we approach the holidays, mm. which could be like I'm already I have I've just started buying my my gifts, and while I enjoy the process, I also know that I need to show some restraint this year because I tend to go a little too crazy, and then come January February mm-hmm. I go, well, was it worth it? I don't know. Yeah, you get that bill. Yeah, you see it, and you think, uh oh. <laughs> what did I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had too much fun in December. But right now, this is not fun because it's official. There are zebra mussels in your favorite spot. Or there is almost Clear Lake. I, I always say it's one of my favorite places on the planet. And yeah, the discovery comes, Brett, after Riding Mountain National Park. Went to Great Lakes to try and keep zebra mussels out of that main body of water for the park. Those measures, they included a system where if you wanted to use your boat on Clear Lake, you had to have a special tag locking it to your trailer, and that tag could only be removed by park staff if they found it had been tampered with, like if you had removed it yourself in order to use it, the boat on another lake. Well, you were out. You you couldn't come back onto Clear Lake. Boat owners basically had to choose to use their watercraft on Clear Lake only. So now with the discovery, there's questions as to what might come next. Damien Wall is the external relations manager at Riding Mountain National Park and joins us now. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, Loren. Thanks for the opportunity to talk today. Good, Perfect. I, and I, I want to get something clear off the hop because I know earlier this year, the park announced that it had detected zebra mussels DNA, but said live mussels themselves hadn't been found in Clear Lake. But now we're saying they have been? Like, what's the difference between what was then and now? 
Yeah, so you're absolutely right in that. Uh, earlier in the year, uh, we had told everybody that we found uh, environmental DNA uh, that was a result of water tests that were taken in the summer, or one water test, pardon me, was taken in the summer of 2022. So this year, as you uh, mentioned in the intro, we had that new program in place to uh, try and limit the uh, uh, potential for uh, zebra mussels to get into Clear Lake. Uh, we took water samples throughout the summer at multiple uh, locations on Clear Lake, and we consistently saw environmental environmental DNA for zebra mussels in the Boat Cove area. So that's the main the main launching area uh, for Clear Lake. Uh, we started getting those test results back just right at the end of boating season. Um, just after boating season closed, we, we started hearing those test results uh, and that prompted us to do a physical search where uh, unfortunately we did turn up some live zebra mussels. So you, you put in those strict measures in place earlier this year with the hopes of keeping the muscles out. Now what? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's what we're going to be thinking about and talking about uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, you know, we just got this information, and we're we're sharing it uh, we're sharing it with the public so that uh, uh, people understand what what's going on, and and we'll be having conversations with other levels of government, with uh, you know some of our friends in the federal family as well. Uh, also, need to hear from from people around the community. We're working closely with uh, with First Nations, uh, of course, Kisikou and Ojibwe First Nation also has uh, land on on the shores of clear lake so uh so no decisions have been made the short answer is we don't know what happens next we are we're going to figure that out zebra mussels I, I don't know the exact figure here but in doing stories in years past damien like once they're there they have a crazy high reproductive rate uh, you know it could be upwards of tens of thousands or even a million new mussels per year as as they mm-hmm. reproduce and so once they're in their water it, it, is there anything that can actually be done that you've heard elsewhere has been successful to at least slow that rate of growth yeah, not that uh, not that we're familiar with in terms of an eradication. There, there is currently no way to uh, remove zebra mussels from uh, an ecosystem. Certainly, not the size of Clear Lake. Once once they become established there, um, there may be things that can be done to mitigate them. But again, we're going to look into that and determine what uh, what's feasible. Uh, Clear Lake, as you know, is a fairly large body of water, and it it gets fairly deep in some places. So. Um, Parks Canada will will make its decision with the with using the best uh, available science to to guide us. For those who maybe aren't familiar with this kind of stuff, like why are zebra mussels so bad? Once yeah, zebra mussels. Up? Zebra mussels are an invasive species that originated in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, they came over to the Great Lakes in the 1980s and have been uh, making their way across North America since then. And basically what they do is they uh, they outcompete uh, a lot of other uh, organisms uh, for food. They filter up to, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to give the numbers, I think, it's, I think it's a liter and a half of uh, uh, water uh, to and and they basically just remove all of the uh, all of the food supply that would be in there, and that gets trapped uh, in their shells and, and removed from the food chain. So they do affect they do affect the uh, water ecosystems pretty significantly. Do you know if there are zebra mussels detected in any other lake in a national park? I know we have them in Lake Winnipeg, Red River, but I mean in a national park, is this a first? This uh, appears to be a first, certainly not familiar with any other national parks. There are zebra mussels, of course, in the Rideau Canal, which is uh, an area that mm-hmm. Parks Canada does uh, uh, does operate or, or manage some of the lock stations there, but um, not inside any national parks. Damien Wall, External Relations Manager at Riding Mountain National Park. Thank you very much for joining us to give us this important update. We appreciate the time. Yeah, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. So this is not uh, not positive news, Loren.
No, I mean, they, they, they are really bad for the health of the water. We Last year when we talked to Manitoba Hydro, sorry, in the spring we talked to Hydro about the impact that zebra mussels on Lake Winnipeg were having on some of its uh, generation power stations. I mean, the, the millions of dollars they spend to clean that up. And so there's all sorts of questions about what's next. And I know they don't have those answers now, but one of the questions I know people on that lake will have is, okay, so we had all these rules for boats this summer. Will there be more stringent rules next summer or maybe even, you know, potentially changes for watercraft on that lake at all? I don't know. We'll wait and see what happens. It's a beautiful spot. I'm sad. The top story at globalnews.ca right now is electric car shock. Ontario men told new battery would cost more than $50,000. So he had a 2017 Hyundai Ioniq, and it wouldn't charge its battery anymore. So he takes it in, and they say, yep, your warranty's just run out. It's going to cost you $50,000 to replace the battery. And that's got us, that, that set off all kinds of alarm bells for me as the whole industry, auto industry, is moving towards electric in the coming years. And if the batteries are going to cost that much money, that's kind of scary. Because that's that's the, I mean, that's basically the cost of the car. Like, what did you say the new Ionic is? It's in the fifty to sixty thousand mm-hmm. range, right? Right, the uh, twenty twenty four Ionic, and this was a twenty seventeen one. And he basically had just you know missed the warranty on the battery was passed at kilometers wise, and so he approached Hyundai Canada, you know, to get it fixed, and then went back to the head office to say, "Sorry, fifty thousand dollars. Like, help me out because if I if it's fifty thousand dollars, I'll, I'll I just get a different car at that expense, right? And in the end. Only after Global News reporter Sean O'Shea contacted Hyundai and gave the Korea-based automaker uh, a couple days to investigate the case, only after Global News got involved, they came back and said, sorry, you know, um, these the, all the tests weren't done. They weren't completed. Uh, we have a new assessment, and that's not actually what it will cost. It'll be, you know, uh, a much cheaper. And so he, he now might have... Um, an opportunity to, if not get it fixed, at least have some cash back so he can buy a new car. But it had listeners texting in this morning, Brett, about the cost of these batteries that in some of these vehicles, yes, for sure, the batteries themselves can be tens of thousands of dollars. And so as we all look to possibly make that switch, and really it is all of us are talking about it. You might not want to do it, but it's the talk. What kind of questions do you need to be asking when you go into that dealership to say, A, what's the warranty? If this battery goes, what's the cost? You know, like if, if, if the battery is basically the cost of the car, you, you need to know that. Yeah. And uh, one of our listeners was pointing to the cost of uh, the, the battery for an electric bus. And I'm just trying to find that here. We got a lot of text messages at 204-780-6868. But I think it was something like $100,000 per battery. And there are multiple of these batteries in a bus and I think the the total price tag for the bus is 1.4 million, but it also doubles the weight. And there's another thing that we have to have to think about: if if all of these vehicles weigh more, particularly the buses, uh, what's that going to mean for our roads and for things like parking structures? If they're built for the cars the way they are now, are things going to have to change as we move forward? There's all sorts of questions about the infrastructure. And then I think, you know, Manitoba Hydro is considered a big asset by many in this province, you know, that we have clean electricity. 
that we're selling that we're proud of? Do we have the capacity then to have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of vehicles potentially switch to electric vehicles? So I got, I have lots of questions. We have been talking for years in our house about making that our next purchase. Yeah. An electric vehicle. And I just can't wrap my head around the cost. But when you look at gas prices, it's easy to get on board with the idea of, of having no gas to pay. Right. Um, but that, sticker shock on the price itself of the vehicle on top of the possibility of repairs. I just, you know, I kind of need like a checklist of the questions to ask before I go in. Yeah. Like how long does it take to charge your automobile and how much can you get out of that charge? Uh, what happens if I let the vehicle go down to zero? Because I mm. think that one of our listeners was saying, if you let it go down to zero, that can void your warranty. If your car just runs oh. out of out of juice, I don't know. Like these are not these are things I've never looked into because I am way off from getting a new car. I've been wanting to get a new car for a couple of years now, not because I need one. Like my car still runs and mm-hmm. it runs relatively okay for a thirteen year old car. But, you know, I'm kind of, I'm sort of bored of it. I would like to get a new car, but just the, the price uh, is almost, it's pro for to go get something just because I want it mm. feels like I it's something that I should hold off on unless I get slapped with like a, oh, your car's broken. It's going to cost you $5,000. Well, I'm not going to invest $5,000 into a 13 year old car. Uh, so I'll I'll either just get rid of it or I'll uh, get a new car eventually. I, like I could do without a car in the winter. It's the summer where I'd be like I my I would and basically never golf, get to golf. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Like it's I, not for your work. It's not to get to even see your friends or anything. It's just the getting out of the city. Pretty much, that's it. Like that's the only anything that outside of that I can do. In the city, I could get by just either taking the bus or taking a cab or walking, depending on where it is. But like in the winter time, I get in my car maybe once a week, and uh, and I'll fill my I'll, I'll put gas in my car once every couple of months in the winter. Whereas in the summertime, it's a bit more frequently. So, but and it's just because of golf. If I were to ever quit golf, uh, then I wouldn't honestly would not need a car. So. Am I ever jealous of that? Like I'm considering bringing a mattress and a pillow into my car. That's how often I'm in it. Just like lay out a mattress in the back and just in between my, as Greg puts it, chauffeur experiences for the kids and all their activities. I'll take naps. Yeah, I, like that. That's that's why an electric appeals to us and our family because of how often we're in the car and filling up at the gas station, right? And so as we push towards electric vehicles, they're just like, it's like a debate we've had for years and now it feels like it's a bit more like it's here now, right? Like the turn, the tide is turning towards these. And so what do I know or what don't I know? I think might be the bigger part of it. And here's another thing that, that a list, listener said, oh, and one of my uh, one of my buddies just texted to say, you'll never quit golf. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not, I can't, unless I hurt myself on a, a stupid injury or something. Like I impale myself with a golf club, but uh, another listener pointing out that apparently you have to replace the tires on an electric vehicle every 20,000 kilometers because Mm. of the weight of the car, Uh, because these batteries weigh as much as some small cars, like 3000 pounds or something. And that's just in a, that's just in the the battery for a car. Never mind a larger vehicle. Hmm. I mean, quite frankly, I have to replace the tires on my car about that often because I'm always running over or something, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's like it's like I find the one street that has nails on it, like every two years. It's ridiculous how often I 
that happens to me. But, you know, Jonathan has texted in to say this is a great conversation, that they're looking at a new vehicle but won't go full electric yet. They're doing that hybrid or the plug-in electric, the, the PHEV. It will be out for the next purchase. The battery life and cost of replacement is too much for him to consider that risk. And so I think hybrid right now might be the way many people are going. So you always have that gas option. Stupid injuries is what we're talking about this morning for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert. One of our runners up here ties in with the song that producer Jeff Forte has selected. (laughs) Rob saying, when I was a kid, my dad and I were at my grandparents' place hanging out of the, you know, on the second floor balcony. My dad was telling me about how when he was a kid, he would jump from the balcony to his big tree, maybe five feet away. So I asked him if he could still do it in an effort to impress me. He tried (laughs) to make the jump. He just hit the tree and fell straight down and broke his leg. And that's when I learned, don't try to impress people. Just backfires. Oh, his poor dad. He's trying and to be cool his, for his son. And his bruised ego, too, my gosh. <laughs> A broken leg. Um, I think we've got time to sneak in one of our other two runners up here, Loren, and then we got to jump to our winner. So take your pick. Brendan, when I was camping at Rushing River a few years ago, myself and friend, as out of shape, middle-aged adults, decided to swim all the way from our campsite to the rapids. We put on flippers and went for a swim. When we got to the rapids, we channeled our inner children and decided to go down the rapids. Got banged up, but it was fun. Eventually swam back to the campsite, and a few hours later, I could barely walk. My knee was hurt badly, even though I couldn't pinpoint when it happened. It could have been swimming four kilometers with flippers, which is something I never do, or going down that set of rapids. Nonetheless, it turned out I had injured my meniscus and was on crutches and doing physio for six weeks after. Oops. Yep. At least you had fun, Brendan. But our winner this morning is Vicky Magnifico uh, because th- this is, it's just, it's like a cartoon. It's just so unlikely. Vicky says, I was a nursery school teacher for many years. Part of our morning schedule included snack time where the kids would get their little snack bags out and we'd all sit together at the table and enjoy the snack that was sent from home. And after snack, chairs are pushed in and garbage is gathered up to put in the trash can. Well, unbeknownst to me, someone missed the garbage can and food was left on the floor. When I got up to walk across the floor, I stepped on the offending refuse and slid about 10 feet across the floor where I hit a wall and fell into a heap on the floor. Everyone paused for a split second to see my reaction and if I was okay before the whole room erupted into laughter because the offending item, a banana peel. (laughs) At that point, I thought the only thing hurt was my pride, says Vicky, but I later discovered that I had torn the LCL and meniscus in my right knee. This happened the last week of June, so I missed the last week of nursery school while I visited the hospital, Pan Am Clinic, doctors, physiotherapists. Each time that summer when asked how the injury occurred, was it playing ultimate frisbee, sliding into home plate for a winning run? Nope. I had to tell my sad tale of slipping on a banana peel. Each storytelling got the same response. What? Like, just like in the cartoons? That's a new one. It definitely gave medical staff and all within earshot a good day. We a got, good laugh. We got some amazing stories this morning. Thank you, as always, for sharing. But, Vicky, congratulations. You win the tickets for Frozen in Concert this Saturday at the WSO Centennial Concert Hall.